All right. Well, I invite you this morning to open the word of the Lord to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 as we begin a series of sermons through various psalms in the scriptures. Psalms chapter 1 is our text for today. Let me just say it is a joy to be with you. I am thankful uh, to be here uh, in Southern Maryland serving the Lord and halfway so to be here uh, with you. My wife and kids are still, my wife is here this week, praise the Lord, but she's going back today and they'll be coming back up in August just uh, waiting on the transition of the house to come through and all of that. So we're kind of slowly moving uh, this way, but it is a joy and a pleasure to be with you this day and it's always a, a pleasure to open up the word of the Lord with you. So Psalm chapter one is our text this morning. I'd like to ask that you would stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word if you are able. Psalm chapter one, read the whole chapter, verse one to six. Let us hear the word of the Lord together this day. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, now we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word this day. I pray that you would send forth your Holy Spirit to do a work through your word in our lives. Father, we know that your word is living and active. So Father, we pray that you would speak to us today. Instruct us, Lord, Encourage us, rebuke us. We pray, Father, that in all of these things, the name of Christ our Savior would be praised. In his name we ask it, amen. We may be seated. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. We as mankind are very good at deceiving ourselves. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet tells us that the heart is desperately wicked 
and deceitful above all things. I believe one of the most scary things that you can tell someone to do is to follow their heart. Why? Because we are good at deceiving ourselves. Oftentimes, we feel that if we should speak a certain way, then by all means we should because we feel that it is right to do. But we realize that just because our hearts encourage us to do something does not make it right. The Bible teaches us that our hearts can deceive us. How do we know that our hearts can deceive us? Well, we find that truth in the scripture, don't we? We listen to God's word to tell us about ourselves, to tell us about the world, to tell us about reality. In fact, we need the word of God to speak into us, to tell us the truth, because if we try to come up with that on our own, we are going to deceive ourselves. We are going to get it wrong. We need the external word of God to come to us and to tell us the truth and to tell us about ourselves. Our deceptive hearts and the half-truths and lies of the world indeed will lead us astray. The Bible is very clear. There is a way to live that pleases the Lord and that way ends in eternal life. There is a way to live in this world that pleases ourself and that way ultimately leads to eternal punishment. There really are just two ways to live. To try and please the Lord above all things or to seek and try and please ourselves and do what we think is right above all things to seek to make God happy or to make ourselves happy. I would just put this out there before the young people here this morning that that really is your only two options of living in this world. And as you look at life in front of you and as you see uh, all the different transitions and the crossroads and the decisions that have to be made, Ultimately, are you seeking to please God and please Christ with your life and live in obedience to him? Or are you seeking to do what you think is right and best? I think that believers here that have been believers for any amount of time, that you would agree that to give your life to Christ and live in obedience to him is to truly have life is to truly have peace. To give of yourself and become a servant of the Lord is to find freedom. It is to find true joy and meaning and satisfaction in life. But the world won't tell you that. And our hearts are deceptive and our hearts will not tell us that. We need God's word. The very first psalm of this great book sets such a scene for us this morning. Sets such a scene as a path of life, one that lives for the Lord in his ways or one that does not. 
Psalm 1 is going to divide mankind into two spiritual camps. The first is the way of the righteous, and the second is the way of the wicked. So a contrast is being made between the righteous person and the wicked person in this text. And what a masterful way to begin a book about wisdom to lay the foundation to say there's ultimately just two paths for us to live, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Psalms is such a wonderful book. It is the hymnal of the Old Testament saints. We could call it the Hebrew hymnal. And so most of these songs here, Psalms, are written to be sung to be sung in praise to the Lord and all the vast scope of psalms that we find in this book. Every emotion you can find within this wonderful book, the book of Psalms. And what this first chapter is doing is just kind of laying out for us in this wisdom literature of scripture the way that we are to live and the options out before us. Three main points this morning in the text or three main movements I believe that we could help us navigate this psalm. The first is this. We see a picture of the godly man in verse one to three. So that's our first point, a picture of the godly man. Second point is a picture of the ungodly man in verse number four, a picture of the ungodly man. And third, the outcome of the ungodly man, verse five and six. So that's where we're heading, those three things. We'll begin with number one, verse one to three, is the picture of the godly man. Verse number one calls forth and says, here is the man who is blessed. Here is the man who is favored by God. And remember, we need to come and listen and submit ourselves to the word of the Lord. This is what God is saying. Here is the man who is blessed. We're not coming up with this definition. This is the word of the Lord coming forth to us and saying, here is the man who is blessed by God, favored by God. This word for blessed is the same, has the same sense as blessed as we see in Matthew in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This doesn't mean, as you know, primarily happy, but it means being favored by God, being blessed by God. Here is someone whom God is showing his favor to. Being blessed is being in a joyful spiritual condition. It's a a position that is right with God and then having the pleasure and the satisfaction derived from being saved, from having peace with God Almighty. Being blessed does not refer to material possessions, although God in his kindness sometimes chooses to give those. Being blessed in scripture is something deeper than that. It's being at peace with God, no matter what you're facing in life, and it's having the smile of God upon you. It's knowing that your sins are forgiven. It's knowing that you're at peace with God. And that blessedness, 
goes beyond anything on the surface. And so this opens up with just this generic, blessed is the man, and this is mankind, this is speaking of man and uh, female, male and female, it's blessed is the man. This is speaking here, this is the one who has the favor of God upon him. First off, we see here this blessed man is described, first of all, by what he does not do. Okay, so we have a negation. This man is described, the blessed man of God. He doesn't do this. And we see this, first of all, in verse number one. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. See some beautiful Hebrew poetry here in action. Three things are said about this man in parallel and kind of building form. First, he doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. The man who is blessed by God does not listen to advice in life from those who are not godly Christians. In life, aren't there many voices calling out to us just state the obvious, the world is not going to give you good advice. That'll be good advice on how to practical matters, handle your money, those sorts of things and various other things. But in terms of life picture and salvation and sin and Christ and God, the world is not going to give us good advice and counsel. The wicked are not going to show you the path of righteousness. When you think, when I think of wicked, person. If I say conjure up a wicked person in your mind, you're probably thinking of somebody really bad that's done some really bad stuff. Well, wicked in the Bible does refer to that, but here the sense is just generally of someone who does not submit to God. Someone who doesn't seek to live in obedience to God. Someone who's not part of the covenant community of God. That's what wicked here is referring to. The New American Standard and the King James translate wicked as ungodly. And they're trying to get at that. Referring to a person who is not godly, does not seek to live after God. Now there are some really good people who don't seek to live after God. That is, we would call them good the way they live and that sort of thing. But the Bible says they are wicked. Second, he doesn't live like sinners do. To stand in the way means to live like sinners. It's more than just taking advice and receiving it. It's staying around and beginning to take up that style of life. Third, the blessed man does not sit in the seat of scoffers. This describes someone who's become so corrupt that they now scoff at and make fun of the man of God. The man that seeks to live in obedience to God. This is open rebuke of those who give their life to living in obedience to Christ. You see the progression there in this first verse? Sin oftentimes is progressive like that, isn't it? It gets a little foothold, it starts out really small and then it just begins to fester, it begins to put down some roots, it begins to grow and then all of a sudden before you know it, that's how we are acting. 
What starts out as simply taking bad advice turns into standing in it and then finally being the one who gives out the bad advice yourself. That's how Satan works. That's how our sin nature works. We go from walking to standing to sitting. One commentator put it like this, to walk in the counsel of the ungodly is to consent to their wicked plots. To stand in the way of sinners is to persevere in evil works. To sit in the seat of the scornful is to teach others the evil which one practices himself. This is the deceptive nature of sin at work, slowly moving into disobedience. But the blessed man of God does not take advice or counsel from such people in this world. We show love to those who reject God. We show compassion to them. We are friends and we are friendly with them, but we do not walk in their counsel. We do not join them in their sin. So first of all, we see that this blessed man is described by what he does not do. The man who is blessed of God, at peace with God, has the smile and favor of God upon him. They don't live like this. They don't follow after wickedness. Give wickedness and ungodly counsel an ear and begin to listen to it and follow after it. What a warning that is to all of us. What a warning that is, especially to young children and kids here this morning, to look and to realize you need to seek counsel from godly men and women. Secondly, this blessed man is described by what he does do. That's the negative, here's a positive. Here's what he does do, look at verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. The man who is blessed of God delights in hearing the instruction of God. To delight in something is to take pleasure in it, isn't it? To enjoy it, to not be burdened by it. What a wonderful thing to delight in the work that you do, in your profession to enjoy it, to enjoy fixing things, to, if you have that gifting, to fix cars, houses, or problems maybe at work where you work that need to be solved, and you can find some joy in doing those things, to enjoy teaching, to enjoy being a doctor, to enjoy being a stay-at-home mom, and all the many things. If you enjoy those things, you like to do them, you like to talk about them, you like to learn more about it, you delight in it. It's the same thing with our hobbies, isn't it? To delight in them, right? If you like sports, if you like uh, football, if you like whatever those things may be, if you like decorating, whatever, all of those things may be, any, anything that you delight in, if somebody wants to talk about that, it's just easy to do, isn't it? Because you love it. You take pleasure in it. You like to read about it. You like to understand. You like to talk to other people about it. You delight in that. Well, that is the same way, brothers and sisters, as Christians, that we are to come to the Word of God, to its study, to learning it, 
to submitting to God's word, to delight in the law and instruction of God given to us. This word for delight in uh, uh, the Septuagint is translated as will or desire. So his will or desire here is in the law of the Lord. Wants to do that, wants to be about that. God help us to delight or to take pleasure in God's word. Hearing and receiving God's word should not be a struggle for us as Christians. As God's people, we should come to the word of God and want to hear what the Bible says to us. Because we realize this is the very word of God Almighty. The God who created us, the God who brought us into existence is speaking to us, is teaching us how we are to act and how we are to think and what we are to do. The man delights in hearing God's instruction Hear what, hearing what God's word teaches, hears God's word and wants to listen to it. To delight in God's law is to seek after it, to place ourselves underneath it. And this takes on many various forms, doesn't it? Probably just to state the most obvious, that's what we're doing right now. Right, it's a part of worship. This is a continued part of worship. We worship by submitting to the word of God. Right, really no matter who is up here speaking it, no matter who is up here preaching it, it's not about the preacher per se, it's about what he's saying and the instruction from God's word. I as a preacher am very aware that God is able even to use donkeys to speak gives me great comfort. <laughs> but our attitude in that should be one of, I want to submit myself to the word of God. And insofar as what is being taught is the word of God, I want to receive that. I want to be molded, and that should be our attitude. Should be our attitude as we come to worship the Lord together and to sit underneath His Word. That should be our attitude in, in the formal opportunities that the church gives to sit underneath the Word of the Lord. So, this, and then we see that, of course, with our uh, equip hour that is before this. That there is given so that we can come to that and say, let me know what God's Word speaks in this topic and let me live in obedience to that. So a very good, healthy attitude towards that would be, let me come and be molded by the word of God. Let me come and learn what God's word is teaching me. That would be a very healthy attitude to come with, right? And so I pray that that would be our heart's desire to come with that. Not only that, but the various other things that the church has to offer with the youth and the youth on the Sunday night and then the home groups all throughout the week, that those would be opportunities to take formally the structure of the church to apply delighting in the law of the Lord, of learning what God's word says. I encourage each and every one of you to take advantage of those opportunities as Christians. But not only that, but we know that even in our day-to-day -day living, 
There are ways that we delight in the law of God, that we meditate upon it. We do that in our day-to-day living, probably most uh, uh, clearly as an example of just reading God's word, right? Of just taking time in our lives to read God's word. What type of Christian would it be that doesn't even know what God speaks to them or to know what God says or to know clearly how God instructs them? That that just doesn't add up as a believer, does it? And so we should be those that seek to delight in the law of God, to receive it, to read it, to know about it, and to pray and to ask God to speak in our lives from his word, that we would be molded and have the attitude of clay to come to God's word and be shaped not to come to God's word and try to shape it to fit what we want it to say. No, we are the ones to be molded. I encourage you to speak to others about the word. Encourage you to speak to others about what you are reading, what you are studying. To speak to others about the sermon that was preached this this past Sunday. To speak about that with one another of your reading and their studying to just that to be upon your lips with other brothers and sisters in Christ. What a healthy thing it is to hear other believers talking about the things of God and the word of God, of what they're learning, of, of, of what they're growing in and to hear them speak with others and to hear others talk about the same thing and what's encouraging to them and encouraging and exhorting one another. If you're here this morning and you're seeking after God and hungering for God's word and instruction in your life, listen to what God's word says. You are blessed. You are blessed. If you are seeking in your life to not take counsel from the wicked and you are seeking to come to the word of God and delight in it and meditate on it, Oh, brother and sister in Christ, be encouraged. Be encouraged. You are blessed by God. These aren't my words. This is the words of Scripture. You are blessed. Meditation has fallen on hard times, hasn't it? I know we've, Dave, we've already had the prayer of confession, but I could confess a lot of things this morning, and that's one of them. Meditation is difficult. It's difficult. Now, meditation, I'm not talking about uh, crossing legs and trying to empty myself of everything, and uh, uh, we already know it's gonna be bad if it's coming out of here, but meditation more upon let me listen and fill myself with the word of God. Let me chew on the word of God. Let me be that dog with a bone that's just sitting there going after it, of meditating on God's word, chewing those things around. It's hard to meditate upon the word of God. You've got little devices sitting around that are dinging and buzzing and popping and making chirping noises and, and you think I've got to do that and, and email is popping up and you, it's hard to make time to just meditate on the things of God. But God's word says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night constantly thinking 
about God's word, being conscious of God's word, thinking it through and seeking to apply it. God help us, God grow us to do just that. Third, this blessed man is illustrated. So a negative example, a positive example, and then this blessed man is illustrated with this metaphor. Look at verse number three. It says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Israel at times can be a very dry place. No doubt there are many trees there that are green, but they do not produce fruit because the soil is not good or the water content is not there. In Scripture, the righteous man produces fruit. And he's like this tree planted near a nourishing stream of water. Once again, we see this thoroughly biblical idea of believers producing fruit. You see, there's no such thing, scripturally speaking, as a true believer who does not produce fruit. Because God, when he saves us, his Holy Spirit comes into us and his Holy Spirit is living and active and we will produce fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. There's gonna be variations, but it's going to be there. There's fruit that is produced. And a righteous man who delights in God's law produces fruit. Now listen, if the tree is the individual believer, then what is the water that makes the tree grow? If the tree is the individual believer, what's the water that the roots sink into, nourished from, cause it to be green and to produce fruit? It's the word. It's the word of God. We will have life only as we are fed by God's word. Even if everything around us is bleak and barren, the believer can have life and produce fruit because of the word of God. No matter what is going on in this world, in our life, the believer can produce fruit because the roots are gaining nourishment from God's word. In a barren and difficult world that's filled with trials, filled with sufferings, filled with temptations, we can produce fruit because our roots gain nourishment from God's word. Brothers and sisters, through the tough times, through the good times in life, the times of plenty and the times of want, may we always be those who produce fruit because our roots are in the word of God. By the way, that's not only true individually, but that's true corporately, isn't it? for God's gathered people as the church. The church will only survive 
when God's word is feeding and nourishing it and teaching it, instructing it. It's a picture of the godly man. He's not this, he is this, and he's like this. That's the first point. Second is the picture of the ungodly man, the picture of the ungodly man. We see this in verse number four. It says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The picture of the wicked man is short and pithy, but it's very profound. Wicked men do not produce fruit, at least of the biblical kind. Instead, they are likened to chaff that the wind drives away. It's a familiar scene in ancient Israel. When the wheat was harvested, the husk and the straw would be thrown up into the air together, hopefully on the top of a hill where the wind would be blowing quickly. And since they were lighter, you would have the husk, the edible part fall to the ground and everything else would be blown away. The heavier kernel would fall back down to the ground. The wicked may look so powerful and in control in this life. And just looking with our eyeballs, isn't that the case? The wicked seem so powerful and so in control but God's winnowing fork one day is coming to this earth and it's going to scoop everybody up and throw it into the air and the wicked person will be blown away, blown away and the follower of Christ who delights in his word will be saved, will have their sins forgiven brings us here to the last point is the outcome of the ungodly man. Wisdom literature of the Old Testament many times considers us to, or calls on us to consider the path that we are walking. For example, the book of Proverbs calls on us to consider the way of the foreign woman or the adulteress. It frankly tells us that she is as sweet as honey on the lips in the present, but in the end, she is as bitter as wormwood. So it says, consider that. This is where that path leads. Here's the conclusion. It will be sweet up front, but it's going to end in bitterness. That path leads to destruction, which fools follow. Here in Psalm 1, likewise, the passage ends with a call to contemplate the end of the wicked, to contemplate what will happen to that person who does not delight in God's word, who doesn't meditate upon it. Verse number five says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In the judgment, the wicked will receive their punishment. Those who do not delight in God's law, those who do not meditate on the things of the Bible, those who do not humble themselves before the word of the Lord and receive God's word, who don't search out from scripture how they are to think and how they are to live, they will be judged 
in eternal punishment in a real place called hell. Text says they will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation, in the gathering of the righteous. It's a parallel verse saying the same thing from a different angle. The sheep will be separated from the goats. There will be no sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There will be no one in the wedding feast who does not wear a wedding garment. There will be no one in the congregation of the righteous who have not walked and listened to the instruction of God's word. God is judge and he sees all. Look at verse six. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, look at what it says, will perish. That's the path of the wicked. It will perish. Which path are you on today? Which path are you walking in life? Are you following after the instruction of the law of the Lord? Or are you like the wicked man who does not take the things of God seriously and lives like the world? Which path are you on? The first part of verse six should be a comfort to the Christian. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. If you are living for the Lord and living in obedience to him, trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and producing the fruit of the Spirit, oh, you are blessed of God. God sees that and God knows that. You ever been misunderstood by somebody? You ever been misunderstood where they thought wrongly of you and it just honestly is not what you were doing, it's not what you were thinking, but yet you're misunderstood by somebody? We don't have to worry about that with God. God always gets it right. And as we seek to live in obedience to him and seek to produce fruit in him, brothers and sisters, God sees that. If you're not deceiving yourself, but truly falling Christ and in obedience to him, be comforted by this today. Be encouraged by God's word today just to come alongside and to speak to you and say, keep living in obedience to Christ. Keep on keeping on, persevere, endure. It leads in paradise. It's where the path leads of the one who follows after God. Keep after it. Don't fall away. Live in obedience. But the wicked, and again, wicked is those who are not walking in obedience to the word of God. Your path leads to destruction. And the message to you this day is urgent. Turn from your sin. Acknowledge 
that you need to humble yourself before God, realize that you are a sinner, and trust and believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross in your place and for your sins. Confess before him that you are not righteous in and of yourself, that you need someone to save you and that Christ has come to freely give of himself for you. Would you acknowledge that today? And be honest with yourself because what might be a comfort to some in verse number six, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, might not be a comfort to you because the Lord can see through all the stuff that we sometimes can't. And maybe that's a very disturbing thought to you this morning. Come to Christ with your sin. Be a person who is blessed by God by coming to Christ and having your sins forgiven. God's grace is free to the one who has no money, come and buy. The one who has nothing, come and receive. Receive salvation through Jesus Christ. So we sort of zoom out from Psalm number one, if we could just for a moment take an and back up from Psalm number one and look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and just kind of zoom, zoom out. I can't help but see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in this Psalm. He is the one true man that has never walked in the counsel of the wicked. He is the one true man that has perfectly delighted and fulfilled the law of God. He is the one who has truly meditated upon God's word day and night. He is the one like a tree, oh, that produced fruit in its season. His leaf did not wither. All that he does, he prospers. Our hope and our faith is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not in ourselves or the things that we do. Our hope of salvation is in Christ. And those who come to Christ are given the Spirit. And those who are given the Spirit, again, they produce the Word of God. They are this person. And so today I pray that you would answer for yourself which path are you walking? Which path are you following? Where does the path you are walking end? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We would be lost without hope if it were not for Christ, our risen Savior. Father, we come to you as believers, yet sinful believers, confessing our sins. Strengthen us and encourage us that we may walk and live in obedience to you each and every day. Father, I pray that you would do your work through your spirit in each of us. You see us and you know us. So Father, speak to us this day. Move in our hearts move in our lives in the name of Christ we pray 
Amen.